This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I know we had a wild weekend, a very intense week as we look to move forward in our national election and our congressional election and two Senate fights that will be decided in January that might as well be decided. It's already up to 100 miles per hour. Uh, This hour, we're going to be joined by Michael Goodwin at the bottom of the hour, so that'll be great. We're also going to be writing the big news, and that is that Pfizer and Biotech, uh, Biotech have combined to say that they have a vaccine that they're going to look to uh, get permission to use at the end of the month that is 90% effective. I did not know this, but even the flu shots, 40 to 50% effective, this is off the charts effective. So the market has responded in a way I thought was a misprint or our graphics department had someone who was drinking too much. We are up 1,700 points. We're getting closer and closer to a Dow over 30,000. So that's huge. But if you're with Peloton or Netflix, it's going down a little bit because it looks like we could be getting out of the house. Imagine if this came out last Monday, right? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. House Republicans have increased their majority. If we pick up these two Republican seats in Georgia, we have the ability to stop the most radical agenda in the, in the history of the United States. There you go. Uh, Lindsey Graham saying, go keep fighting. What's this election result showed? Both parties had wins and both parties had losses. Republicans take state houses. They take pick up huge gains in the House. They almost, they're on the doorstep of keeping the Senate. But what can you, when you go inside the numbers, what should everyone focus on besides Georgia? We'll, t- we'll explain. Number two. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. But now... Let's give each other a chance. Listen to each other again. You think they mean it? The Biden agenda is front and center. What he plans to do and how he plans to do it. Number one. At this point, it would be wrong for him to concede. There's, there is strong evidence that this was a, an election that in, it was stolen. Then show us. We can't back you blindly without evidence. And that's true. Not ready to concede. The president's battle plan. Uh, to get a true count in the battleground states and his surprising support for, uh, from the delay from the GOP. And what I say surprising is, uh, if you look at the numbers, they shouldn't be. But overall, a lot of these Republicans look at the way the president does things where he doesn't mind turning the, the furniture over in the living room right before guests come. Roads people the wrong way. But it doesn't stop people from Mitch McConnell. It doesn't stop people like Lindsey Graham. It doesn't stop people like Senator Pat Toomey for saying the president has every right to count the votes in the battleground states, whether it's Arizona, Pennsylvania, a, a recount's underway in Wisconsin. We believe an automatic recount is already knee-jerked through. Um, and then we have, uh, as I mentioned, Arizona, and people are still wondering what's happening in North Carolina. So the president's saying slow down. But that didn't stop uh, the AP and some other networks like Fox News and CNN and others for saying, 
Um, projected winner is President-elect Joe Biden. And it's brutal. If you're President Trump, who's all about winning, it is brutal. So why wouldn't he fight it out the rest of the way? And what's he looking to do? Well, in the coming days, he'll file a lawsuit in Arizona. Uh, he's going to say uh, the judges already rejected suits in Georgia, Michigan, and Nevada. But they're coming back with alleged barriers uh, to observers in those states, as especially in Pennsylvania. Alleged backdating of ballots, especially in Pennsylvania. Dead people voting, especially in Nevada. They're also looking at a suit for Arizona about the Sharpie, saying they don't register if you use a Sharpie. And that's what they were handed in Republican districts. They have come back and said, yeah, they do register with Sharpie. So I'm not sure where they're going to go from there. Pennsylvania, the later rivals, is the big deal. Look, there were 150 million people who cast ballots. 120,000 decided the election. If you're the president of the United States, why would you not challenge this? But as Chris Christie says, show the proof. Cut four. If your basis for not conceding is that there was voter fraud, then show us. We can't back you blindly without evidence. So the president put somebody uh, in charge of these key states. In Georgia, Doug Collins. In Arizona, Corey Longhoffer, former counsel to Trump's 2016 transition. In Pennsylvania, Porter writes... Uh, and Ron Hicks are heading up the legal effort nationwide. They're assembling additional surrogates. Now, I'm not for spinning your wheels, but when I saw Sidney Powell come out and say there were 450,000 ballots found with only Biden's name checked, that's interesting. Software called Hammer and Scorecard used to flip votes, perhaps, uh, from Trump to Biden. That would be a problem. The attorney general of Georgia is sending investigators out to Fulton County to investigate reporting of vote, uh, voter fraud. So there's stuff to look into here. And if you're the president of the United States, you have an obligation to do so. Cut six. So we could easily see, I believe President Trump still has a path to victory. And that path is to count every single legal vote that was cast, but also not to cast any votes that were fraudulently cast or illegally cast. And we have a legal process to determine what's legal and what isn't. And Ted Cruz was accused by Chris Wallace of being somebody like the last guy in World War II in the 1950s, didn't know the world was over, war was over. I don't think that at all. And Ted Cruz was the one who didn't want to even endorse the president for president of the United States. And Ted Cruz is saying from a legal perspective, he's got every reason to fight this. He's not guaranteeing you anything. But here's a little, uh, a little flashback. The year was 2016. The president of the United States was president-elect in the United States. Immediately, Hillary Clinton never acknowledged the president was legitimate. You have people like John Lewis not acknowledging the president's legitimate. They never gave him one day of peace to say, I won. The most shocking expert uh, upset since Truman defeated Dewey. I pulled it off. By the way, 2020 showed that 2016 was no fluke because he even got more votes this time. Remember this 2016, just before You come up to a Democratic friend of yours who says, why are you guys being such sore losers? Why doesn't Trump understand you should lose? Remember this. Cut eight. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. I've created an illegitimacy clock. It's on my website. Uh, If you look at it, it tells you how many days and hours Donald Trump has been illegitimate as president. Okay. Just keep that in mind. Everyone's supposed to move over and come together, and I think eventually that'll happen if the Republicans hold the Senate, because they might not have a choice. And if Joe Biden was on his game, and I'm not convinced he is, maybe his, that would be his tendency. But for those people who want to call out the president for holding on, remember where they were years ago. 
And also remember what Hillary Clinton said before this election started. Under no circumstances should Joe Biden ever concede this election. So we'll see what happens. If it's just a few votes dancing around the edges, I wasn't able to see it's not going to work. And by the end of the week, that's what's going to be the story. It's not going to work. The recount strategy won't be effective. The president says he's going to go out and he's going to talk about all the dead people, the obituaries of people who are 120 years old, especially in Nevada, reportedly. And they have affidavits to show it, dead or dead, and they never should have gotten ballots, but somehow vote in this election. Next, about Joe Biden's agenda. Okay? Not much. By the way, this is also good news. Everyone's writing that Melania and Donald Trump are going to get divorced. What are you talking about? That's her former assistant trying to sell books. Daily Mail picks it up. People running to town with it. Uh, I think these guys have a great relationship uh, from, you know, a thousand feet. But if you want to know where she stood, Melania Trump was on the campaign trail. She's a winner, too, and she's a fighter. She writes this. The American people deserve fair elections. Every legal, not illegal vote should be counted. We must protect our democracy with complete transparency. There's nobody forcing her to do that. She did that on her own because she actually knows what the presidency means. She actually believes what the president's doing is helping the country. And what he did is absolutely help the Republican Party. He told, made them to reexamine trade. He told them that uh, you have a, an opportunity to go after China before it's too late and you have to. He also told them you're legitimately a party of blue collar workers and Hispanics uh, and African-Americans have no reason to walk away from this party if you go and make the effort to recruit them, which he did. He did it in a way. He didn't pander. He didn't say, I'm going to let everyone in. I'm not going to build the wall because I want Hispanics to vote for me, which the autopsy after 2012 Mitt Romney's loss said they should do. He didn't. He said, this is what's going to help America. And if Hispanics are going to interpret it wrong, I'll explain it. And he did. And it was effective. You just asked people in the Rio Grande Valley, a valley that was won by Hillary Clinton by 30 points, Joe Biden by about five points. And if everyone wondered why Texas did not turn blue, that's why. Because the president has no interest in running from the Hispanic vote. In fact, he wants to win them over. Biden's agenda is simple. Back in the Paris Accord. Great. Paris Court so popular, never even passed the Senate, never offered up. Good. We're going to have using taxpayer dollars to help developing nations get uh, green energy. Fantastic. While China and Russia just give lip service to the entire event. Works good. The Iranian deal, so unpopular that Senator Schumer and Senator Ben Cardin didn't vote for it. And Iran had, was uh, free reign in 10 years to get nuclear weapons. We're already about four years in. And can use ballistic missiles. We got out of it. And guess what? The rest of the Arab world, the Muslim world, united behind us and Israel rather than go against us and go with Iran. That is unbelievable. He's going to look to get back in that. He's going to look to push his progressive policies. He has every right to do it if, in fact, he is proven to be the winner. But my goodness, people should understand what they voted for and why Republicans did so well. Republicans did so well because their hold to fund the police, the whole socialism, the whole uh, Medicare for all does not resonate to the masses because we know that Medicare is not popular with doctors. You need supplemental for it to be effective. And they also know that uh, Medicare for all, it's barely Medicare for some. It's not going to work. It's not practical. Now, you could hear me say that all the time. You could hear Donald Trump say that every single day. But what about Jim Clyburn? Cut 34. Well, I don't know about all the seats. I've uh, talked to people down in South Florida. They tell me that that really, really was a problem down there. But I can tell you about the 1st Congressional District of South Carolina. I really believe that that's what caused uh, Joe Cunningham 
his seat. And I can also tell you about the Senate here in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Harrison started to plateau when defund the police showed up with a caption uh, on TV right across his head. That stuff hurt Jimmy. And that's why I spoke out against it a long time ago. Joe Manchin, Cut 36. It wasn't a good message. I mean, we let them tag us before basically we could remind the people who we are. But we didn't have a good message. I'll be very honest with you, Margaret. Here's the thing. Four years ago in uh, rural America, in America in general, voted for Donald Trump because Democrats were mad. Independents were mad. They thought they'd been left behind. And I always said this. West Virginians felt like they were returning uh, Vietnam veteran. We did everything this country asked, and now we weren't good enough. Or you left us behind. There was no pathway forward. So they voted in record numbers. They went from being mad to being scared in 2020. They were scared of this socialism that was thrown out there by a radical part of uh, the so-called left that was throwing all this out that basically scared the bejesus out of people. And that hung on and hung on strongly. And it's not who we are. It is not who we are and it's not what we're about. And I have fought against that. Joe Biden has fought against that. We're not for New Green Deal. We're not for uh, all, all the things that he's talked about, uh, Medicare for all. We can't even pay for Medicare for some. We've got to take care of a lot of things. He didn't say that before the election. And now we have moderates against the left wing. Good luck, guys. You fight it out because, because Joe Biden didn't level with us and tell us his real intention. He just wanted to keep everybody together, spackled together to beat Donald Trump. And he may have, not yet, but he may have. And if he does, he's not going to pass any of that unless, of course, Chuck Schumer's successful and they win one, the, both those Senate seats in Georgia. Then, hello, two more states. Goodbye, Electoral College. Hello, New Green Deal. Look out. Uh, so much yet to be discovered. one 866 The president's been there to fight on. I think it's great. Michael Goodwin here to tell us about uh, what else Donald Trump already accomplished for the Republican Party. And as even Mitt Romney said, he's not going anywhere. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's very hard to determine a coherent strategy here because, for instance, in Arizona, you see um, them arguing to count more votes. In Pennsylvania, they're saying stop the count. In Wisconsin, the margin of victory for President-elect Biden is about the same as Trump's margin of victory in 2016, which, which a recount upheld. It's very, very unusual. In fact, it's, there's no precedent in American history for a margin of thousands of votes to be overturned in a statewide race. Right. It should be examined. But David Becker of the CBS, I thought that was important to bring up. He's an election law expert. But there is, a, to me, there's an obvious difference between the two. They're not saying generally stop and start. He's saying in Pennsylvania, he doesn't want you to count the votes that came on Election Day and after. Either did Judge Alito, Supreme Court Justice Alito. He says you can't do that. They want to count it up to three days after without looking at the postmark. That's why he says stop the vote. And in Arizona, they say keep counting. Why did Fox and everybody else call Arizona? So that that's not a discordant message. Different states, different issues. And they just want to find out if the machines or software were an issue, too, because that would be pervasive. Now, Rudy Giuliani standing up all week saying it's a problem. By Thursday, it's going to get old. But the president fighting, I don't know if you've met the president, listened to him. He's a fighter, and he's not going to just say, okay, I got problems in five states. I guess I'll just golf and call it quits and take a vacation in two months. Franklin, listen on WHIO. Hey, Franklin. Hey, how you doing, sir? Good. Uh, listen to you every morning. Thank um, you. Listen to quite a few radio stations just to get insight on, you know, both sides. And, Good. Um, just, just had a question. I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I voted Democrat. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Did I dis dislike President Trump? No, sir. As a Christian, I respect leadership, whether it's uh, Republican or Democrat. But my thing is, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, we we have to find a common ground. Um, whether it was uh, if President Trump had a, had a one or President Biden had a one, we have to find a common ground. So I'm just trying to figure out where do we go from here because you Got know, it. I, yeah, I, I can help you know, with that. You ready? And I appreciate the honest way you're approaching this. The best thing that could ever happen to Joe Biden is for the Senate to go Republican because Mitch McConnell will not have the President Trump if things stand the way they are. Will not have President Trump to use as a hammer. And if he loses President Trump and he has to deal with Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell is going to have to be dealt with because it's a chamber. Now you have a diminished advantage for Nancy Pelosi. What State of the Union address is she going to rip up? You have to force them to do a deal politically so they could turn around. Mitch McConnell says, hey, this is the best I could do. You know, he's a Democrat. And Joe Biden turns around and goes, you know, what do you want me to do? I barely have a, I have a slim majority in the House and no majority in the Senate. That will bring us to compromise. Can you see how this can be a almost mandated compromise? No, definitely. So that's why he's got to win in Georgia, because if not, Chuck Schumer, 
uh, came out yesterday and revealed his strategy. We're going to change America. Two more seats and we're going to change America. What are you talking about? Who wants to change America to that riotous situation we have in Chicago, Portland, and Oregon? To the pull down the statue? To reexamining American history? To go in 1619 and 1776? To having socialism? Medicare for all? You're going to tell all these businesses uh, what their cap is going to be on their salary? And you're going to have a minimum wage which makes it unsustainable for these businesses to get back on their feet? No, not in any of that. They're going to have to compromise. When we come back, Michael Goodwin's take. He talked to the president right before the election. What do you think the president should do now? We'll discuss it. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself. But now, let's give each other a chance. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again. Listen to each other again. My, uh, that was uh, Joe Biden accepting uh, becoming president-elect. I don't think he's been officially awarded anything. As usual, the AP and other media outlets made him president-elect, but it's not official yet, and the president's still fighting that out. But his words were perfect. Those are the words you have to use. Uh, if you want to bring the country together, he acknowledged he went through the same thing himself. He also acknowledged that 70 million people did not vote for him. That is the most not to vote for someone ever. The second most votes in history to not acknowledge President Trump's got fervent supporters after being under the attack by big tech and big media and everybody else. Never being accepted by Democrats, being called illegitimate uh, by higher ups. And people like Hillary Clinton never even acknowledging that he lost, giving full credit to the Russians. Having said that, do you hope and do you think it'll work? Do you think he means it? Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. You can follow him at mgoodwin underscore NY Post. Michael, did you like the words? Do you believe it? Uh, two different questions, Brian. Uh, the words are fine. Uh, do I believe it? Not yet. Uh, I think that uh, Joe Biden, when he says to the 70 million people who voted for Trump or whatever, I understand your pain, I feel your pain, um, that's fine. But what are you going to do about it? And I think there are very concrete things he could do, and he could do the start right now. He could say to the Democrats in these uh, contested states, open up, stop hiding, stop Stop putting cardboard on the walls. Stop uh, contesting in the courts. Well, let's have full transparency. Let's, not, let's let there not be a doubt about the final result. I think that would go a long way to showing that he does not want to benefit from any allegations of, of forged documents or ballots or any of that stuff that's out there in these various states. Look, none of us know what is true about this. Uh, what we can say, I think, with fair certainty is that there were an awful lot of votes cast. And all of the, the more the votes, the more chances there are of innocent mistakes 
as well as forgeries hiding in the pile. So I think that that would be an important thing because, as you point out, for four years, Donald Trump was called an illegitimate president. Nancy Pelosi still calls him a Russian agent. Uh, Trump went through the Mueller investigation, and you could not ask for a more biased group of prosecutors or a more biased House of Representatives, which impeached him and which continued to want to impeach him throughout the entire four years. So Trump survived all of that. Was the, is the country really better off for having the president under the gun and accused of being illegitimate? If you think it's true, have at it. Well, there are now 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump, and I don't know how many of them, but many of them think the election was rigged. Hey, you so, want to hear some of that? Uh, this is 2016. In case you think Michael Goodwin's overstating it, listen, cut eight. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. I've created an illegitimacy clock. It's on my website. Uh, if you look at it, it tells you how many days and hours Donald Trump has been illegitimate as president. That was Hillary, John Lewis, and Ted Lieu. So that's right. what the president was up against. And they're mad at the president for wanting just to make sure the count is right? Right. And, and don't forget, many of those people use that illegitimacy claim to skip his inauguration, <clears throat> to skip uh, State of the Union addresses. Uh, it, it infected everything. The attacks on Brett Kavanaugh, for example, were very much fueled by the rules are off. There are no restraints. Donald Trump is illegitimate. Yep. It, 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 it informed the media coverage. It gave everybody license to break every norm, to do everything. It, it gave the FBI license. It gave Jim Comey and Andrew McCabe and Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. All of them took license from from Donald Trump's election. And so now the, all the Republicans, all the Trump supporters are just supposed to roll over and say, well, Jeannie, that's what happened in all those Democratic states. I guess we'll just have to tuck our tail between our legs and go and salute Joe Biden. It's not going to work that way. And if Joe Biden is serious about wanting to unify the country, I mean, forget the individual policies. It's just we're, we're at a threshold issue here now of acceptance of the election. Joe Biden has to address that. I realize that would be unusual, but he has to do it. And don't forget, Donald Trump could have fired Robert Mueller, and he didn't. Will Joe Biden take the same aggressive stance toward the, his own supporters who are accused of cheating on his behalf? I think that would be it would be a remarkable thing to do, right. but I think if he really wants to unite this country, he has to do something out of the box. All right, so James Clyburn, I liked a lot of his comments. He said, I'm a proud American, I'm a proud uh, Democrat, and how dumb it was to have uh, to fund the cops, how stupid it was to do Medicare for all, and the socialism label is impossible to shake. I appreciate that. But this is one thing I realize, uh, how blind a partisan and how ridiculous he can be. Cut 11. We have been the envy of the world, but we have also uh, received a lot of disdain from pl uh, places around the world. See, I'm old enough to remember uh, Nikita Khrushchev. I remember that speech at the United Nations when he looked out and says, we will bury you. I will never forget yeah. that. 
And so I don't understand how uh, Republicans uh, can allow uh, Putin uh, to dictate uh, the fortunes of this country. What the hell is he talking about? Well, that's the same thing. They have never given up on the illegitimacy issue. It's as though it's as though Robert Mueller never happened. You know, they just brush it aside. It, it you know, Mueller found no collusion. Doesn't matter to Democrats. They believe it's a faith-based party now. Their faith is that Donald Trump was corrupt. And you know, Brian, that's the kind of stuff that will not be forgotten. Which is why I wrote what I wrote about Joe Biden. And when you have the AOCs of the world and others. Uh, I say the odious Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post calling for lists to punish Trump's supporters. This is disgraceful. And if Biden isn't careful, his administration is going to be swamped by this stuff. And look, let's face it. I mean, it, it is a slender hope that Joe Biden will be different. This is the, still the father of Hunter Biden. This is still the Joe Biden, whom I believe is clear evidence, helped his son get rich off of his own office. So uh, there's, there's very little hope hope that Joe Biden will rise above himself. But we have to hope. We have no, to the, hope I don't hope. The, and I, I yeah. agree with you. I don't I don't have any hope. But he's got to be forced. And that's why these Georgia races, they need just one of two. When those Georgia races are decided, and if they get if they get uh, Purdue in or if they get uh, the other one, say Loeffler, Senator Loeffler currently sitting there, who's not a strong candidate, she's kind of new to it. But if she's able to consolidate that power and win that election, one of them, then he's going to be forced to do deals and he's going to be saved from his extreme left. Because I don't even think he understands what the extreme left wants, what a new Green Deal would entail, how it would destroy the country. Do you know why Germany is celebrating today? Germany's celebrating because now they can keep the oil, natural gas pipeline going through Germany. Do you know why China's celebrating today? Because they now have somebody that's going to take their foot off the gas of confrontation and solidify their hold of the Caribbean and maybe even uh, Venezuela, because that's where they're spreading out to. I mean, that's why these people are celebrating. They're not celebrating because we, we, we brought civility to a world, uh, world affairs. They're celebrating because they're going to get off the hook. Of course. That's why they like Barack Obama, the soft internationalism, the apology tours. Biden was all part of that. The climate accord, which would have slapped American industries, but not Chinese or Indian industries. So it's all around the world. And if we're going to go. But, but again, Brian, I, for me, those are policy disagreements to come. I think the threshold remains if Biden wants to have an administration or a presidency that is not bedeviled by doubts about its legitimacy. Because, as we both agree, all of the Trump supporters who saw him tortured endlessly over this, who had their own – many people lost friends. I'm getting all these emails still from people who lost friends you know, over supporting Trump. I, I myself lost friends over supporting Trump. If, if, the, if the Democrats think we're all just going to forget that and go right along with this without proof that this election was clean – then they've got another thing coming, and it's it's going to it's going to right. infect the policy decisions. But it's even before right. those things get decided. And we're but talking about today, tomorrow, the next few weeks. Biden this is, has got to clean up this mess. This is what I can tell you for sure, and you'll agree with the 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 showing of Donald Trump in 2020 validates 2016. It was no fluke. It was no Russia. 
you got to be kidding me. He did better this time despite the headwinds in the same places. He just apparently may not have done good enough if all this stuff is on the up and up. And he just wants to find out how he could be watching a 500,000-vote lead dissipate. And the thing that's new is the mail-in voting. Unsolicited ballots arrived at people's homes in an American population that moves every two years. Why wouldn't we doubt that the right people at the right address voted the right way? Final thought? Yes, and it's the Democratic Party. It's the party of Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, the the party that that alleged Russian conspiracies from start to finish, that actually spied on Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. Why would anybody in their right mind trust that that party would not corrupt the counting and the ballot process? All we're asking for, prove it. If you say it's clean, show it. It's possible to show it. Maybe everyone won't agree, but, but at least most people who are fair-minded, if it was honest, it was honest. But let's prove it. Got it. Uh, Michael Goodwin, fascinating time. Uh, this is going to be a big week for the president. If he, can pr- if he gets something that has some traction, uh, he's got five, four or five days to do it. Uh, Michael, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank uh, you. Hey, come. every line is jammed. So I want you to call one 866 excuse me, 11. Line 11 is open. Uh, we're going to go from Texas to Georgia to Ohio to Long Island uh, and then Florida. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, he is without question the most powerful voice in our party. Uh, he will have an enormous impact on our party going forward. Uh, I, I, uh, I believe the great majority of people who voted for Donald Trump want to make sure that his principles and, and uh, his policies are pursued. So, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not disappearing by any means. He's, uh, he's the, uh, you know, the 900-pound gorilla when it comes to uh, the Republican Party. And there is Mitt Romney out there yesterday doing the rounds. Uh, he did not vote for Donald Trump. But he was deferential to him. He said, just watch the language with fraud. We just got to prove it. I think that's fine. And I think the president's got every right to go for uh, go for verification on these battleground states, which he was up big in, until they started counting the mail-in votes. Ricardo, listening in Texas. Ricardo. Brian, good morning. What's on your mind, Listen, Ricardo? I want, to ch- I want to chime in on Michael Goodman's comments regarding, uh, um, in this case, regarding Zapata County in Texas, uh, Brian. We are definitely blue here in the Valley. I mean, there's nothing those of us that support President Trump can do to change that. But Zapata County is a is one of your typical almost 100 percent Mexican uh, um, uh, people there, Mexican-Americans, obviously. Uh, uh, and they went for President Trump. And the reason why they went for President Trump this time, it's never happened before, by the way. But the reason why they went for President Trump was because they are in oil producing county i also so thought in my opinion, yeah i heard that i heard oil and they were they're about to take the jobs away unless they can get the senate believe me and ricardo the other thing would be i heard abortion too yes and by the way brian there is no way president trump is going to lose pennsylvania 
for that same reason. For that same reason. So what they, do you think happened? You know, President Trump, well, they stole, they stole the election. I mean, come on, Brian. I mean, more, more votes than registered voters. I mean, it's obvious. President Trump just needs to keep up the good fight, and he's going to win it. Go get him, Ricardo. Thanks for the insight. That's why Texas didn't turn blue. Uh, Richard, you're in Florida. Hey, Richard. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good. You you believe that Biden won, but? Oh, no, I didn't say that. I, I uh, believe that Trump has every uh, American right to uh, pursue the truth. Now, I called, you know, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but I support him. And, and I, I want to be clear, I voted for him. And I haven't voted in uh, probably 20 years. But my concern is that the, the deep division in this country and these kids that are growing up in an atmosphere of fear and hate. And I think that uh, if, if uh, Mr. Biden truly wants to lead this country, he needs to begin by having a, um, a, a, a news conference with his son and explaining the whole truth regarding these emails <laughs> and just putting them forward. Not a chance. Not a chance, Richard. He, the first time we even saw Hunter was Sunday. He doesn't even want to acknowledge that he met. He wouldn't even ask, be asking a question about Tony Bobolinsky. He's not doing it. Uh, and I know your hope, and that would be great, but it's it's not. It, there's no chance. Joe, listen, WRCN in Long Island. Joe. Hey, Brian. Good morning. What's listen, on your mind, Joe? Michael Goodwin's 100% right. There's 71 million strong, and nobody's going to bat uh, – think Biden and Harris are legitimate. Uh, we figured, and there's going to be a new party formed. The Republican Party is dead, and they, they may not realize it right now. Those Trumpicans are going to move on. A new party will be formed. And the fix was in. I mean, it's obvious. They started to stop counting the votes in all those major cities. As soon as they seen Trump really pulling ahead, I figured they figured they needed 60 million. They had them, and then they realized, oh, my God, this is a red wave going. We don't have enough votes. Stop the counting. We well, they got to get proven, Joe. They got to prove it, uh, and they got to prove it. And there's no reason to start another party. It's already changed uh, in Trump's direction. Well, what else do you want? I mean, he's they're doing exactly what he wants. Dean, WRCN, Dean. How you doing? How are you today? Good. Listen, the main thing is paper ballots for Georgia Senate runoff. The uh, policy versus influence is why Biden won. He owes a lot of people a lot of favors. And he better come through with China with the favors or else a lot of devastation is going to happen globally. I don't know what you mean. What, do, what kind of favors do you think he promised China? I, I, I would assume a lot if, he, if they paid all that money to, to Hunter Biden from all these other global you know, countries. He did just, just sit down and have a cup of coffee. I'm sure he talked about other things. Yeah, he played basketball with President Xi when he was vice president. Uh, we know that there was some dealings going on. There's no doubt about it that Tony Bobolinsky was telling the truth. Here's the thing. Maybe the Democrats go, now it's time to expose Joe Biden so Kamala Harris could take over. I'm looking for that. The other thing to keep in mind is I'm not changing my mind. Joe Biden is not the same person. He can't get through a speech without screaming. He can't get through an interview that's challenging without losing his temper. No one can tell me that at 77 years old, he's an old 77, been through the wars. That had two aneurysms. He is not equipped to be president. That's the issue that's not going away. And the president has every right to challenge it. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Get the podcast anytime, all three hours, especially if your station's not taking all three. And briankilmeade.com for any of my books, personalized and sent.
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening uh, in from New York City and heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Joining us shortly, Senator Lindsey Graham. Despite being spent, outspent by, well, I'll put it this way. His opponent spent $103 million to beat him, and he won by 10 points. James Trusty, a great legal mind, will be joining us at the bottom of the hour to tell us the chances of the president's lawsuits going forward and what the merits are, what we know so far. They're doing a lot of investigating now in these battleground states. I know a lot of you over the weekend uh, watched and maybe were sort of related that Joe Biden was was uh, named president-elect of the United States by the media, which is usual, by the way, the AP. They've not been certified yet. The president of the United States was on the golf course when it was announced, and he probably knew it was coming. But he's looking at Arizona. He's looking at Pennsylvania. He's looking at Georgia. He knows there's a recount in Wisconsin. He's wondering what really happened in Michigan. And he's waiting on North Carolina to formally, firmly uh, go into his column and says, really? You named, you named him the winner? So he's not ready to give in, and I don't blame him. Either does Lindsey Graham. So we'll talk to him shortly about that. Also, some great news. It looks like Pfizer is close to a vaccine. To the point is they got 44,000 people. It's 90% effective, and they're going to ask to be able to deliver the shot at the end of the month. And we have the military ready, if you saw 60 Minutes, to deliver it all around the country. Will you take it? The market certainly loves it. They are up 1,200 points right now. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. House Republicans have increased their majority. If we pick up these two Republican seats in Georgia, we have the ability to stop the most radical agenda in the, in the history of the United States. What do the re- election results show? Both parties had wins and losses as Republicans take state houses, pick up big gains in the House, and are on the doorstep of keeping the Senate. We'll talk about it. Number two. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. But now, let's give each other a chance. Listen to each other again. The Biden agenda is front and center. What he plans to do and how he plans to do it. Number one. At this point, it would be wrong for him to concede. There's, there is strong evidence that this was a, an election that in, it was stolen. Then show us. We can't back you blindly without evidence. Not ready to concede. The president's battle plan to get a true count in the battleground states and his surprising support uh, from the delay from the heavyweights in the GOP, from Mitch McConnell to, believe it or not, Mitt Romney to Senator Toomey to Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator Graham, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Welcome back. So first off, you won by 10. Out of all your victories from the House to the Senate, what does this mean? Well, it's very satisfying because this is the first time it became the center of a of the nation, really, is probably the most high-profile Senate race um, that we had, $140 million most likely being raised by my opponent. The record in the Senate previously was $82 million. That was Rick Scott, and he donated a lot of the money to his campaign. So I did about $108 million. So between the two of us, we did almost a quarter billion dollars, 
people on your show, Fox and Friends, Hannity, Ingram, all of these shows uh, donated millions of dollars online to me, and I wouldn't have made it without this. But we turned it into a conservative, liberal fight. We took Chuck Schumer's words uh, and attached it to my opponent. He had called Pelosi his mentor and uh, Hillary Clinton his inspiration and Bernie Sanders a champion. So we turned it into uh, a liberal versus conservative race, and we won overwhelmingly. What was different about this vote when you go inside the numbers? There's some movement in South Carolina towards going to the Democratic cause? Not really. It was a red wave. I won slightly. I won my last election in 2014 where my opponent spent about a million dollars. I got 54.2 percent of the vote after having $140 million approximately spent against me. Uh, I got 544 <laughs> So the bottom line is we picked up a congressional seat in the 1st Congressional District. Nancy Mace beat uh, Joe Cunningham. We picked up three state Senate seats, at least two state House seats, flipped five sheriff races, picked up county officials in counties that have never had a Republican county official since 1876. It was literally a red wave in South Carolina, and I want to thank President Trump. He created a lot of energy for Republicans in the Senate and the House by doing all these rallies. Uh, uh, Judge Barrett really changed the dynamic in my state. The last two weeks were great for me, and it was a red wave. But listen to what Clyburn said about your race. Remember, you were running against Jamie Harrison, Cut 34. Well, I don't know about all the seats. I've uh, talked to people down in South Florida. They told me that that really, really was a problem down there. But I can tell you about the 1st Congressional District of South Carolina. I really believe that that's what caused uh, Joe Cunningham his seat. And I can also tell you about the Senate here in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Harrison began, started to plateau when defund the police showed up with a caption uh, on TV right across his head. you agree with that? I think it had a lot to do with it. I think, I think the problem for Democrats running is that they were attached to the most radical agenda in the history of the country. And the problem with my opponent, with all due respect, is that he's the associate chairman of the Democratic National Committee. It's not like he's a casual bystander. Uh, He was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year almost on the payroll with the DNC. So to say he wasn't a Democrat was pretty hard. And to say that he didn't buy into the sort of the more liberal element of the party was pretty difficult. But when you're talking about... I will not defund the police. You're on the defensive. And a lot of candidates had to answer to the agenda being created by AOC and others, and it did affect it. There was a red wave in this country at the state level. Uh, we picked up seats in the House. We're going to hold the Senate. We flipped some state houses, and uh, yep. it had a lot to do with their radical agenda and the campaign that Trump, Trump won. The defund the police is happening. It's happening right. in Chicago, happened in Poland, happened in Seattle, happened in New York. Yeah, it's so it's not, not even a it's not a catchphrase. But Senator, it's do you think mythical. the yeah, do you think the president will do the same in Georgia? An Axios report says the president doesn't have any interest in Georgia, and we know that will decide the, the balance of power in the Senate. Your reaction? Right. He will do whatever he can to help the Republican Party grow its numbers in the Senate. I talked to the president for a long time yesterday. Uh, he wants to fight, and he should fight. Let me just say about the state of the presidential race. 
we're down to about 17,000 votes in Arizona. Uh, just a week ago, he was down, excuse me, less than a week, he was down 93,000 votes. We've all been telling Fox News that this is going to be an incredibly close race in Arizona. We're, we're talking about three-tenths of one point, and I think he'll be under 10,000 votes pretty shortly in Arizona. He's about 10,000 votes in Georgia with more votes to count from the military. So if we can close the margins in Arizona and Georgia and look at provisional ballots, this is not over. It's a vote-counting exercise in Arizona and Georgia and looking at allegations of misconduct. we got to prove system failure in Pennsylvania. I can see a scenario where you flip Arizona and Georgia, and it really comes back down to Pennsylvania because Trump's going to win North Carolina. Wow. Uh, so you, you pointed out a very plausible scenario, but as uh, people are just saying, okay, we knew it was happening. We knew there had to be a recount in Florida. We don't know exactly why and what went wrong. But uh, And we hear things like observation. That's not going to turn an election, like it or not. The mail-in votes right. is what created the greatest consternation. That right. is brand new. So the mail-in right. votes getting recounted might produce a different result, you think? Okay, so here's what, let's just look at it. Instead of looking at it, just getting overwhelmed, let's, let's go back to Arizona, okay? There's about 2% of the vote out. President Trump has been hitting about 56, 57% of the votes that were left out in Maricopa County. I don't know where we're going to be when we get to 100% in in Arizona, but I think it's going to be under 10,000 votes, okay? Then there's provisional ballots that you would look at. And there's some allegations of this or that. So Arizona is mostly a vote-counting exercise. All the votes are not in. And the more votes that come in right. is to the benefit of the president. So then let's go back to Georgia. We think there are about 8,800 military ballots out. The president's been doing very well. He's down about 10,000 votes. So if it gets to two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 in Georgia with over five million cast. You got provisional ballots. Let's go look at the provisional ballots. Let's look at some of the accusations made in some of these counties. All I'm saying is that you're talking about 10,000 votes or less in two states where millions of people voted. Don't you want to find out exactly what happened in Arizona and Georgia? Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you what Cindy Powell said yesterday, something that would be substantial. 450,000 ballots were found uh, with only Joe Biden's name on them. The only is his name checked. That needs to be examined. Right. Software right. called Hammer and Scorecard used to flip votes from Trump to Biden. That needs to be examined. Right. And in Georgia, the right. attorney general is sending down an investigation team to find out what's happening in Fulton County uh, because of the right. reporting of votes might be underreported. So these are three things that Sidney Powell, no joke as a lawyer, is looking at. That would be substantial. So what you got to do is first, what are the margins for Biden in Arizona and Georgia. We still don't know yet, but we do know it's going to be one-tenth of one percent or two-tenths of one percent, okay? That's what we – I can assure you that when the counting is done in Arizona, that Trump will be probably less than 10,000 votes behind. I think when the counting is done in Georgia, it will be around 10,000 or less. Then you go in and look at the things you've just described. Right. 
Now look at look at Michigan. We know that one computer program in a very small county uh, allocated Republican votes to Democrats. And I talked to John James yesterday. The only way we found out about this, it's a very red county in Michigan, and the vote was 70-30 Biden, and everybody knew that couldn't be right. So they started looking, and what happened, the software malfunctioned to give the Biden 70% rather than Trump. That same software was used in other counties in Michigan. All I'm asking people to do is run down every credible allegation of misconduct, look at the computer systems, got it. look at the provisional ballots, then we'll make a decision, go to court, then we'll make a, a decision about who, who won the presidency. It would be insane for President Trump not to look at all this stuff. It would give credibility to Biden if it was looked at and it fell short. So my view is I don't know if it will flip the election, but I do know this. It deserves to be looked at, and this election is by no means over. And finally, what I'm going to tell Mitch McConnell today when we get back, if we keep the Senate, we need to do a a joint committee in the Senate to analyze mail-in balloting Absolutely. and how it worked in 2020. Absolutely, and we need some honesty there. There's just something so brand new to to decide something yes. so important. But, uh, Senator, how much uh, – Carl Rove said this is going to be certified in like a week. So how many days realistically does the president have to show something? Okay, that's a good question. You're filing lawsuits today, so I don't know how quickly the court will act. But by Wednesday, we will, should have 100 percent of the vote in in Arizona, okay, Wednesday or Thursday. Doug Ducey's a great governor. I think you're going to have the difference between Trump and Biden in Arizona is going to be around one-tenth or two-tenths of one percent. Then you start looking at systems, you know, go back and double-check, just really canvas everything, provisional balance included. You should have by Wednesday, hopefully, the final vote count uh, in Georgia. See how close he is. Then you got Pennsylvania. We know that six people registered after they died and voted. How widespread was that? And we really don't know yet. So what I'm looking at is the court cases to challenge the system, but the vote count is still not in. Donald Trump is only behind in two states by less than 20,000 votes out of about 9 or 10 million votes cast, 8 right. or 10 million votes cast. Couple of things. If it's if this is if everything's done, it just isn't enough to make up the difference. And it's clear out right. of 150 million votes, the president does not have right. enough. Right. Do you believe the president will concede? Do you believe he goes to the inauguration of Joe Biden? Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if we do everything reasonably possible, like actually count the votes, look at challenge ballots to see if they should be counted or not, file lawsuits about suspicious activity. And he falls short, we'll cross that bridge. But the country has always came out on the right side of transferring the power where it was transferred peacefully. It will happen here. And I would say this. This is going to be – if we let it play out legally and keep counting every legal vote and looking at these systems closely – this is going to be the closest election one way or the other right. in modern history. And I would encourage President Trump, if after all this he does fall short, we just can't quite get there, to not let this movement die, to consider running again, to create a create a, 
organization platforms uh, over the next four years to keep his movement alive, growing the Republican representation in minority communities, uh, talk about economic populism, and just basically keep it alive. Keep fighting for the 2020 vote. And run again. It's not done yet. And run again. I would encourage him to think about doing it. I really would because one president has done this. Grover Cleveland won the popular vote, lost the electoral vote in his first term. Okay? Uh, Got to wrap here, uh, Senator. Yeah, yeah. So Grover Cleveland came back. Donald Trump should think about it if he falls short. Senator Graham, congratulations. I know how hard you work for it, and I know you're going to do a great job. Senator Lindsey Graham, thank you. You were very helpful to me. Thank you, audience. Now let's go win Georgia. You got it. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. What an idiot this Governor Cuomo is. The plan is run by the military. It was just featured on 60 Minutes. And the good news is good news. Uh, What a clown. I mean, I can't have less respect for a governor of any state. Susie, listen, WHO, Welcome, Susie. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, I am a huge Trump supporter. I'm a new citizen. First time voting was 2016. It didn't take me very long to figure out who to vote for. And I just want to say that uh, President Trump, in my opinion, is the best president we've had. I've been in the country. I've been to the country for 25 years, and he's just amazing. What really irks me is people, so-called friends like Chris Christie, who says, show us some proof as if President Trump has never been to court before. I just think it's amazing that a friend, so-called friend, would say such a thing. And um, the other thing is, uh, you know, Su- President Trump— Susie, I, I would have to say, it, it, he is, he's, been very, he's been loyal, but he just wants to see the details of what the suit is uh, before he can comment on it. And he's got to comment on it for ABC. So if they're able to give detail and there's something there, he'll be right behind it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The president and and his campaign have said there are many irregularities here in Pennsylvania. Let me break this down for you. Each campaign had observers in the room while the ballots were being counted. In addition to that, even if you're not a certified watcher, you can turn on the live stream and watch it on TV. And keep an eye on the activity if you'd like. Donald Trump can say whatever he wants. But we just had an election. 
an election that was secure, an election where the votes are tallied, and a proper winner will be certified based not on the words of President Trump, but the votes of the American people. Right. Uh, thanks for that. Josh Shapiro, who didn't get any tough questions on 60 Minutes, they served it up for him, who's a Republican, I guess, and he's the uh, Pennsylvania Attorney General. So uh, joining us now to discuss this and the chances of having success uh, out, uh, out in with this, uh, I guess, with some of these uh, challenges is James Trusty, former federal prosecutor at DOJ and a partner, uh, and a partner at IFRA, uh, is his IFRA Law School. Uh, if for law, that's the name of the firm, Brian. Okay. James, first off, I was astounded that 60 Minutes did this special. You might not have seen it, did this feature. And they don't understand even the simplest thing about what the problem was in Philadelphia. They couldn't see the ballots. They could see the back of the people's heads. They couldn't get close enough to see what they were doing. And if you could live stream it, they still couldn't see what they were doing. And then in Detroit, they put up cardboard to make sure they couldn't see through at all. How you can do that interview with the attorney general, not even bring up the issue and let him handle it is unbelievable to me. Well, it's almost like there's bias in the media, Brian. I mean, I think we're, uh, we're I know. This, you know, living and breathing every day. But but here's what I would say. I mean, look, the, the procedural fouls, the things where you can say, hey, we were denied access that's basically only going to get you so far in these challenges. It, it might you. get the camel's nose under the tent, but it's not going to win the case on the merits yet. So we've got to see more than just the irregularities when it comes to shielding the uh, vote collectors. So let's look at this. We know that the judges rejected suits in Georgia, Michigan, and Nevada. We know the three issues, alleged barriers to observe the counting of emails. Okay, you just handled that. I agree with you. So let's say they were 100% right. Then, well, you got to, what did the ballots say? We don't know. Are you going to get a recount to examine it? Alleged, uh, alleged uh, backdated ballots. That is really more Pennsylvania, where you did the envelopes are perhaps thrown out, but you have no post date. So these could have come in after Election Day. They're put in a separate pile. And dead people voting. There's already six confirmed dead people voting. Someone voted for dead people. Uh, but is it 6,000? Is it 60,000 is what you need? Right. I mean, that, that's exactly the right uh, way to look at it, Brian. You've got to have a material effect here. So we're always going to be able to find in really any election moments of at least negligence, if not fraud. So if you've got, you know, dead people voting, okay, if you're down by 100,000 and you only have 100 dead voters only, um, you're not going to win that case overall. So it's got to accumulate in a way that makes some sense uh, to, to overturning the overall result. But let me just say for a second, Brian, Pennsylvania has got much bigger issues. Pennsylvania, you know, they tried to go to the Supreme Court before this election I based know. on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court extending the mail-in deadline. That is just simply not their responsibility under the law. So the legislature tried to get a stay, and Justice Roberts prevented the stay by flipping over to the liberal side, and it was a 4-4 split. Now we're going to talk about the merits of that litigation, not just whether an emergency stay should be granted. But the problem is Pennsylvania ignored the fact that they were supposed to, it looks like, ignored the fact they were supposed to segregate ballots based on timing. So we may be in a situation where we can't get the toothpaste back into the tube in Pennsylvania when it comes to these late votes. And that's, to me, the most intriguing bit of litigation to come and maybe the one that has the most chance of 
success for President Trump is unraveling what the Pennsylvania uh, voting officials did or didn't do to comply with the Supreme Court's guidance. Nevada's got a 31,000 lead for Biden, Pennsylvania 43, uh, excuse me, the president was winning by 31,000 votes, and Pennsylvania was winning by 43,000 votes, and Arizona by 20,000, and everything seemed to disappear. Uh, Wisconsin, too, is too close to call. They're going to do uh, – they're actually going to do it all again. Now, what I've been talking about, too, is Sidney Powell came out and kind of surprised me. She's an, an esteemed attorney. She has 450,000 ballots who were found with only Biden's name on it. They said that doesn't make sense to them, needs to be examined. There's a software called Hammer and Scorecard used to flip votes. She wants that examined from Trump to Biden. And the attorney general of Georgia says they're sending people to investigate the non-reporting of ballots in Fulton County. So these are three things that could be substantial in states that matter. Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona. Are you curious about any of those Oh, I think we should all be curious. I mean, look, you know, you're not going to usually get a witness that comes forward and says, hey, let me just tell you, I got rid of 100,000, you know, Trump votes. I mean, direct evidence is difficult here. So circumstantial evidence, building kind of a cyber approach to it to determine whether software was manipulated or misused. Those are important pieces. They may come together. They may not. I mean, we're going to have to wait and see instead of just uh, kind of tilting in the wind every time there's a public announcement in either direction. But to me, yeah, if you've got, you know, 100,000 votes in a row for one candidate, for instance, that's a red flag that at least requires a, a deeper dive into what the ballots actually have. So the president's got Doug Collins leading the uh, the look in Georgia, the recount look in Georgia, in Arizona, Corey uh, Corey. Langhofer, former counsel of the Trump 2016 transition in Pennsylvania, Porter Wright and Ron Hicks are leading it. And nationwide, they're putting together an all-star team. So they're not going away. Here's what Rudy Giuliani said yesterday about what they're going to do this week. Cut three. And I think the first lawsuit will be Pennsylvania. The second will either be Michigan or Georgia. And over the course of the week, we should get it all pulled together. But those are facts of fraud, not allegations of fraud. Yesterday, I, I, don't, I can't show all the witnesses. First of all, they're scared. But I showed two of the 50 yeah. witnesses. In fact, now we've shown three of the 50 witnesses. And I'd be happy to put out one or two more just to show people. They say to you, where's the evidence? I point to the witness. There's the evidence, my friend. I know Democrats yeah. aren't used to it. It's called the witness taking an oath, so, swearing so under you're oath. Saying- so he was talking to Avril Lee. Was, he was talking to Maria yesterday. What's your follow-up question to that? Well, I don't know if it's a question as much as an observation, but look, the the bottom line is you can start this litigation with very little in hand. You can say that you're filing this on information and belief. In other words, that you've heard stories and you still want to prove it up. But because it's expedited, because it's got to move so quickly, you're going to have to pony up serious, substantial evidence that's not just establishing intentional misconduct, but that it would tilt the scales within that particular state. So maybe Rudy's got that, but that's really what we have to wait and see is, you know, are there going to be smoking gun declarations, sworn statements that are part of this litigation that will let it uh, withstand judicial scrutiny as it moves up through the state courts and possibly into the federal courts? Carl Rove said that he got about a week before this gets certified, but the Electoral College officially gets certified on the 23rd of December and, of course, the new Congress gets sworn in on the 3rd of January. So where is the timeline for you, James, realistic timeline? 
Well, I mean, look, every second counts. I mean, there's not much time. Obviously, there's kind of a political work at play to suggest it's all over, but it's really not under any sort of legal uh, standard. But I think you've got to move quickly and file these suits and have the evidence supporting them. I'm talking within a week or two, uh, or you're going to run out of time. It's going to get easier for courts to reject it as we get further down into you know late November and early December. So... For Joe Biden to come out and get certified by the press, which is usual, it's typical, and give that speech, does that help or hurt the process? I think it only affects kind of the public mentality. It really shouldn't have any effect on the courts. You know, the the courts are operating on their own clock. They are expediting it. They are going to move through these cases quickly to either dismiss them or to figure out what kind of relief is available. And again, I think you know, keep your eyes on Pennsylvania. I think that so far from the outside, that's the one that has the best chance of moving quickly to the Supreme Court and having a real open question about what the remedy would be. If they've uh, gotten rid of all the toothpaste from the tube, you may have a new election in Pennsylvania before it's all done. Wow, that would be interesting because they would need that because evidently with the numbers that came in on ballots, it wouldn't have been enough to change. But if they contaminated the system by not segregating as they were told to, that might, you say, trigger a recount in Pennsylvania entirely? Well, it could be either a recount or a revote. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're looking for equitable relief from the Supreme Court and you say, look, the same people that basically ignored you are telling us we can't really calculate how many were late anymore. I mean, the answer is, do you reward those people for that situation? Or do you say, well, then we've got to start over because you can't give us the data we need to determine materiality. So I think everything's in play with Pennsylvania at this point as really kind of the, the most pivotal part of the litigation that's coming up. Jim, what do you think in retrospect? Are you comfortable with all this unsolicited ballots mailed to people's houses through mail-in voting and a big change like this in many states like Nevada uh, six months before an election, three months before an election? No, I mean, look, nobody should be comfortable with any of this, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we are a technologically advanced uh, democracy. We ought to be able to figure out ways to really safeguard the votes, to stop those dead people from voting, you know, to stop computer glitches where 6,000 tabs are switched from one side to another. I mean, we've got a lot of work in front of us, no matter what your political stripe, to kind of get this right and to avoid situations like the one we're in right now. James Trustee, thanks so much. Sure. Thank you, Brian. You got it. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Man, a lot to go over. President's still putting up the fight. There's big pushes for him to concede. He's not close to getting there. Whether he does concede, there are also some reports, I'm not going to confirm until I hear it, where he's going to go out and do campaign-style events where he reads some of the discrepancies out and focuses on the dead people and the obituaries for people who died 120 years ago and somehow managed to vote uh, in this election. I'm not sure that helps anything. To me, I'd let the legal men and women fight for you, find out the truth, and then present it to the people. And if not, I think if the president's already 45% approval, minimum. He's got 70 million votes, historical, second most ever in the history of presidential elections. And he got the state houses, he closed the gap in the House, and he might, his party might have held the Senate while changing the party. There are so many wins here, I can't count them. The minute he goes away... His popularity starts ratcheting up. I know he doesn't want to hear that, but he's already a success in so many ways, let alone what he accomplished through incredible amount of headwinds. But he's going to fight on, and I don't blame him. When we come back, your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. 
a radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. So I think the recount strategy is likely to fail because the margins are just too great. We just don't see any historical precedent for overturning margins that great. The margin is growing in Georgia. It's over 10,000 now. Um, the other litigation really doesn't have a strategy, whether it's Sharpie pens in Arizona or whether it's observers in Pennsylvania or the late arriving ballots in Pennsylvania. We're not seeing much there there. And so I think it's unlikely. So that's some of the legal uh, prospects for the president of the United States who's fighting to make sure uh, he actually did not win this. And I don't blame him. Uh, Eric, who's on WNDB in Orlando, Florida. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. You, uh, you kind of took some of my points earlier, but uh, real clear politics says that the people voting that were born in the 1800s is in the thousands. But what I'd like to point out is uh, the media has got too much stake in this again. Suddenly, there's no talk of Russia interference or Chinese interference. And uh, it's how dare you question the integrity of the election. And they want Donald Trump to stop embarrassing himself and, and concede. Meanwhile, in 2000, Al Gore went on 37 days of suing America. Your take. Good point. I'll accept it. What happened is they knew exactly what the problem was. They went at it, and both sides were able to look at it and see Florida and 500 votes. We all know the, how that ended, and it still went 37 days. But we all agreed they need to be examined. Nobody said that uh, Al Gore was being petty. He actually conceded and took it back. This president never conceded. He did not understand, and either do, either do most of his supporters, how a 500,000-vote lead disappears in a matter of hours after election night. A lot of it has to explain with the, with the all the votes, so many, and the fact is so many mail-in votes, a little bit more laborious, take out of an envelope as opposed to look at the ballots, that would take the time. But I actually don't understand what North Carolina is doing. I have no clue why Georgia is not done yet or Pennsylvania is not done yet and why Florida, bigger in the states than both of them, got done the same night. I mean, my goodness, you got to be kidding. This is an embarrassment. Why would North? Why would you even go home? You have to have teams of people that count nonstop. Well, we're shutting it down at eight o'clock. Really, you're shutting it down. Finish your job, and if you need more poll workers to do it in order to do to achieve this, put the word out. Uh, Loy in Indiana. Hey, Loy. Yeah, Brian. I'll tell you what. As, as technologically advanced as the United States is, unlike you. What is the problem that we can't get this done? We need to have a secure voting system and a secure counting system. State of Indiana, they had the counting here at 10 o'clock at night. You explain to me what the problem is. And I got to give Trump one credit. He is a fighter, and I really appreciate the guy. I hear you. And by the way, he is getting some support. Uh, from maybe an unlikely corner. Remember him and Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz were going at it when they were trying to become the nominee. But that is over. Listen to Ted Cruz telling the president to fight. Cut six. So we could easily see, I believe President Trump still has a path to victory, and that path 
is to count every single legal vote that was cast, but also not to cast any votes that were fraudulently cast or illegally cast. And we have a legal process to determine what's legal and what isn't. And he goes on. And he was called out by a Sunday talk show host by saying he was like the last strangler in the World War II, a Japanese holdout. And I don't think that's ac- accurate at all. Mark was on KZRG in beautiful Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. Hello? Mark, you're on. Yeah. Hey, I just want to say, uh, is, are the states being held accountable on the leftover ballots? That's minus the ones that weren't sent out that they had printed. And uh, – I, I think the fake news has divided the country really, really bad. On the, August 26th, Hillary told uh, Biden, don't concede no matter what. And then last week you have Joe Scarborough calling Trump Stalin for not conceding. And they're, they're not doing the country any good at all. I hear you, uh, but they don't care. It was a lot worse when he was actually president before the election. They did every. They went out of their way to say he was not a legitimate president. Went out of their way to say the Russians put him there. But this 2020 result, even if he ends up losing, validates 2016. Validates it. He actually got more votes. So without big tech, without big media, and with hit book after hit book, including one from Anise he barely knows, including one from Bob Woodward who he thought he was confiding in, uh, and of course. He ended up, uh, he's a little naive on that. Talked to him way too much. Despite all these hit books, he's still within a whisker of winning. Lindsay, listening on 97.1 in St. Louis. Lindsay. No, it's Linda. Oh, I'm sorry, Linda. What's in your mind? Yeah, listen, I just want to say there's no way in hell we as Republicans are going to come together with these Democrats. They're the most lying, cheating. They've never given President Trump one ounce of respect or recognition for all the wonderful things he's done in this country. And Nancy Pelosi standing there tearing up the State of the Union address. Are you kidding me? And then the fact that they want to talk about coming together. They've never recognized him. All of them have stood up there. Maxine Waters and Peach 45. They're a bunch of lying, hypocrites, cheaters. Trump should have won this. He has won this. They, if they go ahead, they'll. It, Biden stole this election, and there's no way in hell. Now all of a sudden they want to come together, but they couldn't come together for Trump for four <laughs> years. I, I get it. Very well put, Linda. But I, I will say this: if you get the Senate, if you're Mitch McConnell and you're the president, uh, President Biden, he has to deal with the Republicans. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up shortly, Jason Miller. Okay, in a matter of minutes, Daryl Ice is back in Congress. He won his congressional race. It's better for the whole country. He's a great congressman. It's a self-made success story, a military veteran, and Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour to talk about our election coverage. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. The great news is it didn't make the big three because it came in late. Pfizer is very close to a vaccine, so close they're going to ask to give the shot, get get cleared to give the shot at the end of the month. It's 90% effective, which is in the vaccine world, which is stunning results. It has caused the market to go up over 1,000 points. It was almost close to 2,000 points, and the market right now is 29,360, and NASDAQ also is screaming high. Imagine if that came out last Monday. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. House Republicans have increased their majority. If we pick up these two Republican seats in Georgia, we have the ability to stop the most radical agenda in the, in the history of the United States. And that is Lindsey Graham yesterday, but he also joined us today and said Donald Trump should get ready for 2024 if he doesn't win this one. What this election results showed, both parties had wins and losses as the Republicans take state houses, pick up big gains in the House, and are on the doorstep of keeping the Senate. So we'll talk about it. Number two. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. But now, let's give each other a chance. Listen to each other again. That is the Joe Biden last night in Wilmington, excuse me, Saturday night in Wilmington, Delaware, when he got the word from the media outlets that he is president-elect. The Biden agenda, it's front and center, what he plans to do and how he plans to do it. Number one. At this point, it would be wrong for him to concede. There's, there is strong evidence that this was a, an election that in, it was stolen. Then show us. We can't back you blindly without evidence. And that is Chris Christie just saying, hey, I just don't know what's going on. No one's told me about these lawsuits. Not ready to concede. The president's battle plan to get true, their true count in the battleground states and his surprising support uh, for the delay from the heavyweights in the GOP. For Mitch McConnell, believe it or not, of course, Lindsey Graham, to Mitt Romney. Uh, joining us now, a uh, man in the middle of it, Jason Miller, senior advisor for the Trump campaign. Jason, welcome. Brian, how are you? Thanks again for having me on. Hey, no problem. Uh, what, is, what is the hope? of the Trump campaign. Where, what are the states that you think that people who support and don't even support, uh, where, where's the greatest hope for um, changing the result? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just take a step back for a moment and make sure folks realize what this is really about is making sure that the legal ballots are counted, illegal ballots are not counted. Now, that might seem like a little bit of a captain obvious. Uh, of course, that's all that we want to see have happen. But there seems to be a rush from the media, from the Democrats to try to put the stamp and the seal on the selection and say, let's turn the page and go ahead with a Biden presidency. Fact of the matter is, President Trump and millions of Americans, 71 million Americans, went to bed on two Tuesday night, believing that President Trump had won this election, uh, that he was on pace to get over 270 uh, in the Electoral College, and then a number of these states kept counting and then counting and then counting. And so as we go state by state around the around the horn here, Georgia, we believe, will be headed toward a runoff. Uh, this a lot of people. You mean don't a recount? A recount. Uh, yes, yeah, excuse me. A recount. The runoff is going on for the Senate races, so it's a recount specific to the presidential. I'm sorry about that. Um, and so we think we'll have the recount uh, that's happening in Georgia uh, with the numbers of examples we've seen of ballot harvesting, which was legalized uh, for this go around in Georgia. Uh, we think that uh, we're going to. There are a number of issues we've identified. We'll continue to identify as to do a statewide recount. Arizona. There's a very good chance. Uh, it's not 100 percent, but there's a very good chance. The Arizona will head toward a recount as well. Well, let me just tell uh, you what already- I just got on, on Arizona. So with 77,000 votes let to go in Arizona, uh, the president has now had a pretty big pickup. Uh, 8,567 in Maricopa County, the 4,491. So now Biden's lead has now shrunk to 16,952. So if he takes 64% of the remaining votes, he wins it. 
Well, and to that point, here's a big chunk of these ballots that are outstanding. About 47,000 are provisional ballots. Those are folks who maybe they had a mail-in ballot and they brought it to deliver it that day, or they uh, they weren't sure where to go and drop it off. They're, essentially, that there are issues with the ballot. Typically, provisional ballots usually skew more towards the Democrat side, but we've heard from the uh, Secretary of State in Arizona, and as we've seen in these trends all over the country, you can't really make any assumptions about what provisional ballots are going to look like this go-around. So we still think that there's a chance in Arizona. It might be a little bit tougher. But there's also the recount possibility. There will be a recount in Wisconsin. They finish up their statewide canvassing uh, in another day or two here, and then most likely that next week is as soon as we could start the recount. Uh, we have a number of issues to investigate in Michigan with the uh, the ballot uh, counter um, machines that seem to be a little bit on the on the fritz there. And then Pennsylvania is the big one. So, Brian, here's the story of Pennsylvania, that there were literally – uh, hundreds of thousands of ballots that have been processed where we didn't get the opportunity to observe how those were being counted. We know that there have been commingling of ballots that were uh, supposedly cured. Uh, that means that there's an error with them and they go and add in like a correct date or correct signature or something like that, uh, which you can do in a lot of localities. Some places you can, some places you can't. In these cases, there were ballots that were not supposed to have allowed to have been cured. They were then commingled with legitimate ballots. But the fact that the Democrats were rushing to get these done so quickly and to try to say, nope, you can't observe it, we want to process them through, we think raises a, a lot of questions. We have a signed affidavit uh, from a gentleman who uh, saw where a whole host of uh, late-arriving ballots were – they were ordered to be backdated back to the 30th. So there are a whole bunch of things that are going to be coming to light here as we file these lawsuits. And so these are a number of the states that are in play, but we're going to pursue all available uh, recount and legal um, options that are available to the president to make sure that the American public has full confidence in how right. this election turns out. So David Becker, CBS's election law expert, said this yesterday, cut 19. So I think the recount strategy is likely to fail because the margins are just too great. We just don't see any historical precedent for overturning margins that great. The margin is growing in Georgia. It's over 10,000 now. Um, the other litigation really doesn't have a strategy, whether it's Sharpie pens in Arizona or whether it's observers in Pennsylvania or the late arriving ballots in Pennsylvania. We're not seeing much there there. And so I think it's unlikely. So do you want to say anything to that or... Yeah. It, it, so, I mean, with all due respect, it sounds like he's already conducted uh, a recount uh, and a review of uh, tens of millions of ballots all around the country and has already put his stamp on things. I think Americans, especially the 71 million Americans who voted for President Trump, want to know that there's integrity in our election system. And there's there's I touched on this right at the beginning, Brian, but there, this is so critical that if as Republicans, if we don't shine the floodlights on what the Democrats are doing, how our election systems are run, what the real world impact of these mass unsolicited ballots are, how they're collected, how they're harvested. If we don't do that now, Republicans winning in future presidential races, you can just kiss that goodbye because the Democrats will hold open the votes and count, count, count until they have enough to win. Let's make sure these elections are fair. We have until December 8th to go and get this done. And just in the same way that uh, Gore was encouraged to seek a recount in 2000 or even Hillary was encouraged to seek recount measures in 2016, let's give President Trump his duly uh, appointed opportunity to pursue these ends so everyone then has confidence in how this election turned out. How would you characterize the president's attitude from Thursday till today? 
I think he's uh, I think he's doing really well. I uh, met with him for a couple hours on Saturday, kind of talked through our overall strategy. Uh, I think he's very heartened by uh, the signs of support he's received from folks. Uh, he was talking specifically about uh, the efforts down in he saw in Texas and in Arizona and kind of these uh, spontaneous and organic uh, uh, Trump celebrations, so to speak. Uh, so I think he feels he feels very good. I think he, um, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit, these are my words, not his, but a little bit Nostradamus-like in predicting uh, what the impact of these mail-in ballots would be. Uh, so he definitely, this is another one that he called from uh, uh, from way out uh, before we even got to the election. Okay. He's in good spirits, and he's going to keep fighting uh, all the way until uh, until there's, there's nowhere else uh, to go here. But hopefully we get the opportunity to show that there has been some uh, some much bigger systemic problems yep. in our voting system. And what we all want, Brian, let's make sure everybody has confidence that the right ballots are being counted and illegal ones are not being counted. Last question. What does Georgia's Senate race mean to him? Axio says not much. So, yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. And, and this is why, and again, what a lot of people don't realize is that in some of these counties in Georgia, they actually allowed these mass unsolicited uh, ballots to be sent out, and they allowed ballot harvesting in certain places. And so it is critical, absolutely critical, that we pursue this recount in Georgia and follow it to the end. Otherwise, Democrats are going to do the exact same thing for this Senate race, these two runoffs that are coming up on January 5th. And if we don't go and address this now, Democrats are going to find right. ways to illegally go and uh, collect ballots and turn them in uh, to try to tip the scales in both of those two contests also. So if you care about Republican control of the Senate, you should care about President Trump getting the opportunity to do a recount in Georgia. And the president, uh, not the president, the president's party only needs one win after they take Alaska and North Carolina in order to keep control of the Senate, whether it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump. It really will affect the the, the future of the country. Uh, Jason, I know how busy you are. Senior advisor to the Trump campaign. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate it. All right. We'll check in with you again. When we come back, the new congressman, this was an old congressman from California. This is a different district. Daryl Issa, next. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Only know in January because to become speaker, you have to have... 118 votes on the floor. When she went up for that vote two years ago, there were 15 Democrats who voted against her. Ten of those Democrats will be coming to Congress. Those ten vote against her again. She will not be Speaker of the House because she won't have 118 because of the gains of the Republicans. We are close enough now that we can control the floor with a few Democrats joining with us. And there are some. They were getting really upset about the stimulus package at the end. Congressman Darrell Issa must have noticed, but he was too busy winning election again in a different district, California's 50th district, and was successful as usual. Darrell Issa, the, the, the uh, military veteran, big successful, extremely successful businessman, decides to spend his time in Congress and wins again with 53 percent of the vote. Uh, Congressman Darrell Issa, congratulations. Thanks, Brian. It's uh, it's good to be coming back. Uh, you know, I left uh, 
I left Congress. Everything was fine. We were in the majority. Uh, we were accomplishing things. While I was gone, they impeached the president. We lost the majority. Uh, Nancy uh, uh, you know, Pelosi got to be speaker. So I had to come back. For the good of the country. Uh, Congressman, yeah. Matt, you know, it's one of the biggest surprises I can remember because everyone's saying that they're going to just add number, huge numbers, your, your race aside, to Nancy Pelosi's uh, house. But what happened? Why, why are they closed the gap? There's 24 seats still open. Republicans could end up with over 200 seats. Uh, we could end up with 214 seats. It could be that close. So, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi is going to have more or less eight to ten seats. Uh, and what that means is she's got she's to negotiate with AOC on one side and Blue Dogs on the other side, the few of those that are there. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be almost a coalition government. What that means is, as you said uh, in, in you know, the monologue, what, that's, what that means is that on any given vote, we just have to get eight Democrats to recognize that it, they live in peril if they make a bad vote. And this is particularly true of those who are now in – there's probably about 20 Democrats that are in seats that President Trump just won – and uh, we're going to be gunning for them. They spent four, five, six million dollars defending many of these uh, incumbents. So I want you to hear what Congressman Clyburn said, who has more responsibilities between Joe Biden getting the nominee than anybody else. Listen to what he said about defunding the police. Cut 34. Well, I don't know about all the seats. I've uh, talked to people down in South Florida. They tell me that that really, really was a problem down there. But I can tell you about the first congressional district of South Carolina. I really believe that that's what caused uh, Joe Cunningham his seat. And I can also tell you about the Senate here in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Harrison started to plateau when defund the police showed up with a caption uh, on TV right across his head. That stuff hurt Jimmy. And that's why I spoke out against it a long time ago. So he also said that the whole socialism to fund the police, as well as Medicare for all, didn't resonate. They thought that the America was changing. Does this show that America is not? Oh, no question at all, Brian. Uh, there's the Democratic Party's position, and then there's America's position. And if you look at my opponent and plenty of others, uh, they don't actually. Most of them in those central those seats that could swing either way, they don't run on that agenda. They run on moderate. Uh, we're all going to make things work. Uh, you know, a little bit like uh, uh, the way uh, uh, Biden ran, where first he was for eliminating fracking, then he was for not eliminating fracking, then he was for eliminating fracking only on federal lands. They're trying to position, the swing ones are trying to position themselves where they can win races, but the national party is positioning itself for socialism, for the Green New Deal, for Medicare for all, for the end of fossil fuels and our export program that 38 states are benefiting from. So that's that's why we're in a position that even if the race ends up the way it is heading, uh, Joe Biden is not does not have a mandate. Just the opposite. He sold his mandate by lying to the American people about what he what he was going to do and what he stood for. And he's going to be held to that. And we're certainly going to hold him to that in the House where there's enough Democrats who are right. in 
in places where they disagree with the Democratic platform. Congressman, uh, we only have two minutes, less than two minutes left, but I want you to hear what Governor Cuomo said about this vaccine that could be available in two weeks. Listen. It's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. That's run by the military, which is featured on 60 Minutes. Is he that partisan? He is that partisan. And I think that's the lesson that uh, your listeners have to take is these are people who put party ahead of the people that they serve. There's no question at all. He he will do everything he can to delay the implementation of any vaccine until he can give Biden credit for it. Sickening. It really is. Congressman, what committees you want to get on? You know, I think I'm going to probably return to oversight where I can hold, uh, uh, if, if it is President Biden, accountable, and, uh, and then probably foreign affairs and, of course, judiciary. So uh, I know what I want to do, and what I want to do, if, if it's a Biden administration, is to fairly hold them accountable the way I did the right. Obama administration, and uh, I hope they're ready for it. 20 seconds left. Do you think the president should keep fighting? I believe the president should fairly exhaust his legal remedies. And, and I do because Al Gore did the same thing in 2000, and he had a much worse case. Al Gore was only talking about wanting a count to be different than the state law was. This president is saying if there was fraud, I want to have a remedy. And that's a gotcha. fair question, and I believe the president should be able to right. litigate that. Congressman, you're one of the hardest working congressmen. I'm so glad you're back in, in the fray in Washington. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Congratulations. Brett Baer next. You listen to the Brian Kill Me Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. First of all, President Trump is a different person than I am. Uh, Every individual is different. Uh, I I think one of the things people like about President Trump is that he is different than uh, the typical politicians and people who've run for president before. Uh, He's going to keep on fighting. That's what you expect from President Trump. So he'll do what he's going to do. And that was Mitt Romney being diplomatic yesterday, at least two Sunday shows, uh, talking about how the president has a right to keep fighting, but thinks he should watch his language because it could be very divisive. And I don't think he voted for, I think he made it clear he didn't vote for President Trump again. Brett Baer joins us now, chief political anchor for Fox News. You see him all over the channel, especially now because of the election coverage and the election that didn't end. Uh, so, Brett, uh, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how are you? You must, you must have slept well Sunday. Very well. Very well. Got to see the family. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been it was a long little stretch there. What it was election night turned into election week. And then you hopped on Saturday and it was pretty clear that CNN already called the election and made uh, Joe Biden president elect Biden. What was your thought then? What were you guys? You guys were were one of the last, right? We were. It was simply a matter of uh, logistics about getting ready to get the graphics. We were there. Um, there wasn't anything, you know, uh, specific to that timing. It was, we were in another show and we had to get mobilized and took a little while to 
get everything going. We were planning to call it at the top of 12, um, 12 noon. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we listen. Here's a couple of things to think about. One is it's a projection, just like the projection we made in 2016. Remember that when that happened, everyone called Donald Trump President-elect Trump, um, even as the Clinton campaign was launching multiple legal challenges in several states. And that's what has happened ever since Fox started. It has been happening with the AP since 1948, is you make projections based on the ability to get over 270 electoral votes. That's where we are. That's not to say that the legal challenges can't go forward. That's not to say that it's official constitutionally until each one of these states is certified and they get the electors and they actually go through the process. Um, but it's exactly the same. And they're, they're mounting a, a series of, of challenges. There's going to be more lawsuits coming out today. Uh, would you Realistically, how much time do they have to prove that there's some there there? You know, I think that they have – remember, it took 37 days down in Florida. That was one place, one specific challenge that turned into several challenges about the type of ballots and, you know, a specific thing. This is multiple things, irregularities. Clearly, there are some of them, um, and there are questions about transparency and what that means in the bigger picture. I would say until the deadline where these states have to certify um, that these legal challenges go forward, and you know they, they probably look like two weeks, three weeks before you kind of get a decision on those. So just remember back in 2016, President Trump pulls off the, the biggest upset in history. Uh, outside Truman and Dewey. Here is what the reaction was from the Democrats. Here's a little sample. Cut eight. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. I've created an illegitimacy clock. It's on my website. Uh, If you look at it, it tells you how many days and hours Donald Trump has been illegitimate as president. Can you describe the backlash after those statements? It seems like they got high fives and votes of support. People seem to forget that. They never accepted him. Totally. I mean, listen, there were people who boycotted the inauguration because they didn't believe he was a legitimate president. The Russia investigation and all of the coverage of Russia went for three years, and it was still going, even as this election was, was taking place. So a little context is good on both sides. To remember where we were in 2016, the calls that were made, and how this process works doesn't mean that he can't fight. He can fight, and he is going to fight, obviously. But it is still a very uphill battle in the difference of those votes in all of those states. So despite – I don't think anyone doubts this statement. Uh, Big tech was against the president. I mean they're still just like like, uh, deleting his tweets uh, faster than he can put them up. Uh, Facebook, a similar situation, and to other uh, the number of his supporters. And if you watch the other channels, I'm sure you don't get anything besides Fox News in your house. I've never seen <laughs> such anger towards any topic, let alone a president, President Trump. There's nothing he ever did right, especially towards this election. And still he went out and got the second most votes ever. Don't you think of the big picture, Brett? This validates 2016. 
Well, yeah, it's it's, it's something that uh, says that half of the country was ready to say, you know what, even after all of this, even after all this effort, the impeachments, the the impeachment, the, the Russia collusion investigation, even after all of this and the media against him, um, we're going to vote for him because we we're going to think that's the future that we seek. I mean, Democrats need to obviously absorb that because half the country said we're not going your way. And uh, you've heard it from some Democrats, I think, but it's going to be a challenge to do the unity that President-elect Joe Biden talked about in that speech. But when you look at the state houses, it costs almost everybody's surprise. They want Republican. When you look at the House, they're still gaining seats. They could have over 200 seats. There's still about 24 still out there, and they're gaining. So listen to what Joe Manchin said, and I don't, And Clyburn said something very similar. Cut 36. It wasn't a good message. I mean, we let them tag us before basically we could remind the people who we are. But we didn't have a good message. I'll be very honest with you, Margaret. Here's the thing. Four years ago in uh, rural America, in America in general, voted for Donald Trump because Democrats were mad. Independents were mad. They thought they'd been left behind. And I always said this. West Virginians felt like they were returning uh, Vietnam veteran. We did everything this country asked, and now we weren't good enough. Or you left us behind. There was no pathway forward. So they voted in record numbers. They went from being mad to being scared in 2020. They were scared of this socialism that was thrown out there by a radical part of uh, the so-called left that was throwing all this out that basically scared the bejesus out of people. And that hung on and hung on strongly. He went on to talk about the new Green Deal. Nobody wants it. He also went to uh, Medicare for uh, Medicare for all. We don't even have Medicare for some. He talked. I gave finally he, he goes, I could tell the truth. I hated our messaging. I don't yeah. like this. I don't like the left wing of our party. Oh, you're hearing more of that. You heard the call with the House Democrats yes. and, and Congresswoman Spanberger and others expressing just that. Um, Connor Lamb, who lost. Uh, said the exact same thing. And I think, you know, that that's going to be a real challenge for Democrats about their party and where they where they go as far as not only unifying the country, but unifying their party uh, around a, a message. It'll be a lot easier for a President Joe Biden if it's a GOP Senate. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but for him, where he is as a as he historically has been, Joe Biden uh, I think he would rather reach across the aisle. Let me just say one more thing about the COVID stuff, and that is here we get this this word about Pfizer and the 90 percent accuracy of this vaccine and the process they're going through. And you have Governor Cuomo from New York come out and say that he doesn't want right. it to happen in the Trump administration. Yeah, listen because, to this. We'll play it for oh you. We'll play it for you. Listen to this. It's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. And it gets worse. So he doesn't think the, the vaccine is worthy of the Trump military, and they set up systems. The military was featured on 60 Minutes last night. Does, does, he doesn't even need cable to talk about how they're going to fan it out. It's not good enough for Trump to hand out. It's truly remarkable. You know, it's truly remarkable that that's the sentiment from the governor of one of the largest states. Um, 
the reason that we are here as a country is not because not just because of the amazing scientists and the efforts of these private companies, but because the government stepped in to orchestrate this whole thing, spend billions and billions of dollars on Operation Warp Speed so that we're in a position to move forward. Now, for the Trump campaign, it's unfortunate that it's six days after the election that this announcement comes. But but uh, I think that it's it's really something to hear Governor Cuomo say that, uh, considering you know what we're facing, and it's still going to be a challenge. But the logistics that have already been cleared are really, really significant. And uh, lastly, Brett, the, the whole coverage thing and uh, and people upset at Fox because we called Arizona early, and I know you were you were kind of grilling the decision desk on that. Uh, and other things. What's your reaction to all this, in, almost in retrospect, even though we're not really through it yet? Yeah. Listen, I, I was uncomfortable with the timing, which is why we kept on bringing back Arnon Michigan and uh, the Decision Desk team to defend that call. Um, they are clear. They, they believe that it's going to finish around 20,000 votes and that it's, you know, in their mind, statistically you know, 100%. Um, you know, it just it gave people who had a problem with what was happening an opportunity to hit us specifically, like it was meant to happen that way. And we orchestrated this to somehow turn the tide. Um, that's not the case. It is simply a matter of statistics and numbers. This was an effort to call races when they got to that point. Uh, and in the big picture, Pennsylvania whether Arizona goes one way or another, is the one that puts Biden over the top. Again, that is not to say that none of the, that these legal challenges won't go forward and something could happen before certification. However, we just don't see it yet to close the gap in all of those states. And we'll take the heat. Uh, we're going to end up being right, they say. And uh, we were transparent throughout, Right. you know, saying – just don't Here's know what the, the rush was. Right? Yeah. You could have just waited like we're doing in North Carolina. But uh, and was you used to work, by the way, just as in secretary of uh, the HUD secretary, Ben Carson, tested positive for the coronavirus. Mark Meadows tested positive for the coronavirus. So uh, it's spreading across the country. It's hitting the White House again. So, yeah, uh, it's a shame. It's um, a number of those people on the on the trail. Um, Congressman Mike Waltz and others have yeah. tested positive. So. I did not realize that. You're giving us information. All right. Uh, Brett Baer, we'll watch you tonight at 6, and we'll see you all over the channel, of course. Great job. Appreciate it, Brett. Thanks. You got it. Uh, listen, when we come back, you're going to find out there's more to know. And then I got to tell you, I'm going to be on outnumbered at the top of the hour wearing the same outfit I wore on Fox and Friends, so you'll be able to recognize me. Keep it here on the Brian Kilmeade Show uh, every single day. Don't move. Talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm going to be on Outnumbered on Fox News Channel at the top of the hour. But before I do that, I got to find out if you indeed want to know more. More 
to know. Sad news, but sadly it wasn't unexpected. At the age of 80, Alice Trebek has passed away. The longtime host of Jeopardy had one of the greatest careers in the history of broadcasting. He fought gallantly, but despite having a stage 4 pancreatic cancer diagnosis, the outpouring of support just shows how loved he is. He's survived by his wife, Jean, who he married in 1990, and his three children. For over 37 years, he hosted more than 8,200 episodes of Jeopardy, the most by a presenter of any single TV game show, uh, that according to Sony Pictures. His longevity was reflected in his personal milestone when he passed Bob Barker of Price is Right in the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, how could you get better than him? No, you can't. I mean, like, and he comes into everyone's home every night, right? There's all the different stories about it. But if you want to hear a little um, cut, one time he... uh, I guess there's a lot of tension on set with all of the con, uh, contestants, so he uh, came out to bring a little levity, which is cut 41. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our show. I was informed backstage a few minutes ago that our three contestants, Ken, Brad, and Jerome, wanted to relieve some of the tension, and they said we must do the program without trousers. Now, can we get a camera behind to make sure that they have done the same as I? They they were wearing pants. He was so it not. was the finals like Super Jeopardy or something like that? It was like Ken that? Jennings and two others, yes. Right. So he walked out just with no pants. They think Ken Jennings is going to be the new host. Is that possible? I've heard that too. I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to me, but I'm also not a Jeopardy super fan. Which is kind of good because Ken Jennings is the best ever probably. And it would take the the pressure off a true game show host. How do you replace Alice Trebek? It's like replacing Tom Brady. It is true. You're just putting different shoes there as opposed to filling the shoes. I will also add this. They had the executive producer on the Today Show this morning. And they were just saying how Alex Trebek was never one to take a lot of, you know, accolades and, you know, how much people would love him. And the, the last day, I think he said they were filming, he could tell he was in pain the entire time. And as he was leaving, um, he just said, like, Alex, like, really great job today. Thank you. And uh, Trebek was just like, thank you. Like, he actually took the praise because he, he wasn't that much wow. pain. Wow. Unbelievable. Right. Next. Today's show stars are rallying around Al Roker. He's got uh, positive for prostate cancer. It's a little aggressive. Co-anchor Savannah Guthrie took to social media to send Roker uh, well, get well wishes. I adore you. Dearest Al Roker, we know you can beat this. Uh, prostate cancer will be back in no time. Hoda also dedicated a post to her colleague thanking Roker for his support. Quote, our Al, you'll never miss a milestone. You've been there for all of our moments, good and painful, uh, including my breast care diagnosis, um, my breast cancer diagnosis. So Al Roker announced that over the weekend, right? I believe it was even Friday he, he announced it on the show. Uh, he said, quote, it's a bad news, good news type of thing. The good news is we caught it early. Not great news is that it's a little aggressive. So never easy. Next. Talk about never easy. What about prison for Lori Loughlin? The actress, 56 years old, evidently not off to a great start in prison. But the Bureau of Prisons, quote, may release an inmate whose release date falls on a Saturday, Sunday, illegal holiday. She could be out before Christmas. I think that would be great. She's had her whole life blown up because she wanted uh, bad things to get her kids into a college that they didn't deserve and pretended they play a sport they never participated in. I get it, but easy. I agree. I have no problem if you let her out. Let her serve her time. She's already, you know, have her pay a fine somewhere else. Us Weekly reported that Laughlin has been a wreck behind bars, and her mind keeps telling her that something will go horribly wrong in prison. No one's equipped for that from her background. 
next. So Mike Tyson's training to fight Roy Jones Jr. in Los Angeles, and evidently he looks amazing at the age of 54. But the big story is the bite fight with Evander Holyfield. Now with Mike's sake to take on Roy Jones on November 28th, TMZ has been told that Evander wants the next fight with Iron Mike. By the way, Evander needs money. He goes, they get this. Our Holyfield sources tell us they believe Tyson is actually avoiding Evander. Quote, we've offered multiple times Tyson versus Holyfield is the fight that should happen. Uh, the first clash back in 96. Of course, he was supposed to fight earlier, but he went to prison. Everyone remembers the rematch in 97. Tyson was disqualified in the third round for biting his ear. But he was also said that he kept getting headbutted. It split his head wide open. They said you could see the orbital bone in Tyson's head. Ouch. Um, do you think Tyson is avoiding him? Tim, Jim Gray is going to be on our show tomorrow, right? Um, good friends he, with, oh, tomorrow or this week. He's good friends with Tyson. Mm-hmm. He will tell us definitively what the deal is because evidently he's been watching him train. I like the tease. Next. Oh, uh, we don't have any time. Real quick, students who have great relationships with their teachers are healthier in adulthood. I think that That's makes sense. Point. Yeah, it does make sense. Hey, watch men out numbers in a matter of minutes. I don't know how I'm going to get downstairs in time, but I hope I make it. I'll be the guy. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.